Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey, what's happening? This is T.C. Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, returning to the show is Marvel Comics writer, novelist, actor, founder of Winterman Comics, and has worked on such shows as Law and Order, Criminal Intent, The Librarians, Disney's XD's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, one of my favorites, and previously the showrunner for Avengers Black Panther's Quest. Please welcome back Mr. Jeffrey Thorne to Talk Time Live. What's going on, Jeff? Oh, God. Uh, uh, finally got a chance to breathe after a <laughs> <the> world. <laughs> uh, and you're like the first person I've actually... Uh, this is the first, literally this day is the first day I've had a chance to sit down in, in, in any way sort of uh, uh, just chill. Yeah, and have I, a I've been on you for, I've so been on you for quite some time. So it was, a, it was coming. Yeah. It was inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We said this too. We're like, come get me when this stuff is over. Uh, so, no, so right but, now I'm going to. It, stall, it, it's so absolutely great having you back and I mean, man, what a rush for you. <laughs> it's crazy. I it's, mean. I mean, yeah, it was wild. It was a wild, bumpy, interesting, crazy ride working at Marvel that way. Well, let me let me run down what's been happening since last time we spoke. And by the way, <laughs> happy happy fourth time being on a talk time live. By the way, thank you very much. My pleasure. I'll be the Tom Hanks of your of your broadcast. Exactly. You're gonna get a mug and a and a robe with your name on it. Keep <laughs> going. Right. In my dressing room, Dad. <laughs> I'm powerful. I'm important. You you this yeah. close to being green Eminem ready level? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> But oh let me let me god. run down. Oh, since, oh my me... god! Wait a minute. That yeah. green Eminem story. Uh-oh. You know, you all know that. But this basically, I won't say the band, but there was a band that used to tour, and they're like, "Look, um, we want all we want Eminems in our dressing room, but they got to all be green. You can't have any other green Eminem." Right. And this used to drive me nuts. I was like, "What kind of jerks are these guys? <laughs> Some PA's job is to buy this bag of Eminems, go through the bag, pull out everything that isn't green, right?" And then make sure all the green ones. And I was like, what kind of jerks? And then I was talking to somebody and like, no, no, no. They don't care about the MMs. They just want to see your attention. To exactly. Detail. And I was like, holy crap. That's genius. I've heard that you same know. thing. I've heard that exact same thing. <laughs> okay. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's the education for you, audience. Just remember that. Yeah. I, yeah. For those who don't know, that is a real thing. I have clients in the entertainment world who's get, who told me that same spill, too. It's real. It is so I was real. mad for years at those people. And then they told me, they're like, oh, better shut up now. That's actually really smart. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But let me run down what's been going on since last time we spoke, my friend. Okay. Seriously, um, half of the universe died thanks to Thanos. Tony yeah. Stark has sacrificed himself. 
since that time. Yeah. And damn it, we almost lost Spider-Man. And yeah. in the midst of all that, I got to enjoy one hell of a season of Avengers Assemble or Avengers Black Panther's Quest and all this. So before I we talk about Black Panther's Quest, because we got to finish off the overall of this whole thing, I want to sure. ask you uh, a question uh, that we talked about last time. And because last time we spoke, you hinted on possibly putting yourself in back in front of the camera. Has that happened? No, I have not uh, decided. Well, I will. I don't know if it's a, a scoop yet, but um, over since we talked, mm-hmm. um, I got into working on Black Panther. Was it's interesting what a job does for you besides the job, right? So, like, I met a great many actors who I had sort of um, had little contact with prior because when you're a freelancer, you don't really meet the actors, but when you're running the show, you see them basically at least once a week, right? And, you know, for this particular season of the show, uh, Marvel had changed their editorial policy. Um, there's things that people in the audience want to be true, which is like, oh, this Maverick came in and he shook things up. <laughs> but really, um, we had these discussions and, and Marvel, uh, my executive Harrison Wilcox in particular, and also um, uh, his superiors, mm-hmm. uh, 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 they had decided that they wanted the show to have a different flavor, not just because it was Black Panther, but they wanted it to be, frankly, more like comic books. Right. So I got to do character arcs. Uh, we could kill people on our show, which we weren't allowed to do before. Right. Uh, uh, characters could be straight up lying, and you wouldn't find out for like 10 episodes about something. And that you did have on that show. <laughs> yeah, and there was different, and there was different, um, there was character friction amongst the heroes. Right. Right, like, so all kinds of stuff that they weren't allowed to do before, I was allowed to do. Mm-hmm. But it put me in contact with these actors. And I got to tell you, these, uh, these voice, primary, vo- primarily voice performers, they are the best people I've ever worked with mm-hmm. um, by far. As an actor, as a writer, uh, as a producer, they are by far head and shoulders the best. Off the top um, of your head, can you name like one or two of them that you enjoyed? Uh, James, James Mathis, mm-hmm. uh, Roger Craig Smith, um, uh, uh, Daisy Lightfoot, mm. uh, uh, Lee. Uh, then there were the stunt. We got to work with Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, 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 Haley Atwell came through. Oh, that um, had. Oh my goodness. Ah, that um, <laughs> Come on. Oh, my, 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 my uh, top top of that was uh, Anika Noni Rose. Yeah. Uh, graced us with her freaking presence. And we just. Oh, uh, Phil Lamar. That um, one right there. Yeah. Uh, you know. And then there's the entire squad over at um, this show, uh, Critical Role. Yeah. Like all those guys, they're part of our stable. There were people that they just they all have worked together so much. Yeah. Uh, and they had such camaraderie and they were all such what you want actors to be. I don't know what their personal lives are like. Maybe they all hate each other secretly. <laughs> but I was with these people for over a year and a half and they didn't seem like that. They seemed like. The tightest, most helpful, most um, great Lyle was in there. Um, just like everybody you could ever want. Right. Uh, there's so many I can literally cannot pull their all their names off. The it's top funny, of Daisy Lightfoot. Uh, I spoke to her on Twitter. She was uh, looking to come on the show, but we never got into that situation. She, I loved her as Siri on uh, on your show. Daisy is my well, nothing against the live action people, but obviously as you watch it, we got to do our own thing. Yeah. So Daisy forever Shuri's voice in my head. Yeah. Like I never hear anybody else but Daisy. And they uh, and they still they still book her for that role because uh, on the other uh, 
Marvel yeah, uh, animated right. projects. They better. <laughs> they better. She she locked that down. She yeah. is, she is the you know. So like um so anyway, so I was sort of inspired by that. And I was like, well, I don't know if I can do what they do because one of the things that uh makes them exceptional is not just their ability to act with their voices, which is a skill, yeah. separate from being able to full on act. Uh, it's a, it, let me put it like this. All of them can do st- uh, stage or screen acting, but not all stage or screen actors can do what they do. Yeah. Okay. So they do multiple voices, multiple accents, ages, quality. They can shift on a di- I mean, it was amazing to watch that. Yeah. Right? You have four people in a room, and it would sound like there were 30 people in there because of the different voices and things that they could do. It was and insane. I, you know, it's funny. I actually had um, last year. Like again, when we haven't gotten a chance to, uh, you know, right, stay in right. touch, I did a panel, one of two panels for uh, Keystone Comic Con here in Philly, which was about Repop, and okay. one of the people that I had that I hosted with was Fred Tattashore. Oh my God! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you talk about a guy who could talk like he could be the only person there, but it sounds like thirty people. I told him okay. at that panel, I'm like, you and maybe another guy that I know that I that I had on my show many times can be nominees for the Mel Blank Award. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> it's amazing I mean, what this man can do uh, with the range that he has. <laughs> there, when, when James Mathis, who's got a fairly a lot of bass in his voice, he was our yeah, Black he does. Panther, uh, but he had to do the voice of young Black Panther. Yeah. And I was like, James ain't doing this. We gotta get it. <laughs> and uh, there's no way. It's like having like James Brown sound like a girl. Or right. You know, and I got to tell you, he took all the bass out of his voice. We didn't do any electronic tinkering. When right. you hear young T'Challa, that's just James sounding like a kid. Awesome. I was like, damn. <laughs> so um, it was really, it was very inspiring just watching them work. Uh, the seriousness and the camaraderie and the decency that they all displayed. And I was like, all the things that I had hated about acting, which is one of the reasons I had quit like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, right. were gone. And I was like, well, I don't know, maybe, you know. So um, then we did, I got, invo- I got involved with this uh, play reading, uh, well, playwright, playwriting group. Right. Uh, something that we'll never see on screen or whatever. <laughs> Friends of mine were like, well, let's write some plays. Let's get a company together. Right. And I was like, oh, you guys are crazy. And then about two weeks <laughs> later, two ladies that founded it, like Christy Boylan and Ellie Pyle, they were like, okay, we did it. And we were like, you did what? And they were like, <laughs> we started a business. We're an official company. Let's get those plays out. So um, one of them was my play, Dark People. And mm-hmm. one of the actors fell out. The, you know, the thing about these stage readings is all these reunion rules about what can you, how much you can pay people and yeah. how many performances. And, you know, it can't really be a full on performance, basically. Mm-hmm. And also, you're never going to hold an actor who gets a real like we pay them some weird, stupid stipend according to their union rules. Yeah. But it's nothing like it's not even an Uber ride. Like, right. It's nothing, I, yeah, right? I've heard that, too. Right. And they do it because they want to do the play and they're friends of the company or whatever. And everybody's fine. But if they get a job. A real job, and it's like, okay, you got to go to London and take this real job. They will, you know, they will eject out of your little stage reading, mm. like at the drop of a hat. And that's basically what happened to one of the actors in this play. So I had to take up the slack. I was the only playwright there. There's now, since then, there's one more, or actually Ellie does too sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there's, of the playwrights, there's only a couple of us that are also at some point have been actors, mm-hmm. and none of, and all the others were female. So I was the only one that could do this part. So I did it. And I kind of dug it. Right. So I was like, okay, now that I'm a different age group, I don't have to worry about certain things. Um, 
Yeah. So, and literally after you and me get off with this, my manager's coming over. We're going to talk about how do we fold the acting back into the overall picture. Awesome. So, uh, so although it did not happen just because of work, it, the one thing I keep telling younger people, I have a couple of friends who are actors who want to also run their shows, and I'm like, well, you better choose because yeah. while you're acting, you won't be able to run the show. Right. Like, you think you can, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. You better choose one or the other before that show starts. One more question in, in regards to this. Like, we talked about you and, you know, you were, quote, quote unquote, retiring from acting in a sense. But, yeah. and a lot of it was, there's, there's a lot of weight that holds to that type of role and job. But, uh, in, yeah. your, in, your, in your perspective or opinion, what exactly do you think makes it pleasurable or, you know, uh, what creates the vigor of you to act, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I love acting. I love performing. I love mm-hmm. the making of it. I loved it even at the time when I was quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, the, when the other actors are like these, the reason it was so inspiring was watching all of these these people who had worked together on different shows for years and years. You know, they're constantly running into each yeah. other. And also our, uh, our director, Colette Sunderman, um, there's a... There's a way of doing voiceover and, uh, acting, which yeah. is just one person in a booth and then the director sort of reads with you. Yeah. And then there's the other way where it's almost like a radio play where you get the entire cast together mm-hmm. and they just do the show. The group setting, yeah. Right? Yeah, I prefer the second way because it allows for them to do improvisations mm-hmm. because the writer's right there. You can go, oh, I love that. Let's keep that or whatever. Right. And it's, it's like a play. It really is like an audio play. Um, it's There's nothing better than that. Like there there's a certain sort of like – do you want to coach or do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes you really do want to play. There are shows on TV right now that if they said, hey, come write this, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be kind of fun, I suppose. If they said, come be in this, <laughs> I'd be on that thing like a shot. <laughs> like, can I be a Klingon for you? Hell yes. You know, <laughs> do you want me to come write your show? Well, let's see if we can work out a time. Right. Right. Like in, immediately it turns back into the business head. Not because you don't want to do it, but. Yeah, look out for yourself. This is a different vibe. Like it's a different set of characteristics. A large measure, especially if you're coming in for one week on a show, Mm -hmm. I think it's just fun. They're paying you to have fun, right? Right. So, but if you're, you can't do both. So, like, if you were to do that, if you were to be the guest star on some show, well, that's a week you cannot do anything but that. Yeah. Right. So, how are you going to run a TV show and be on it? It, it doesn't make any sense. So the fun of it to me is putting on another body, putting on another life, putting on. And frankly, I'm a much, as you know, much more of a um, science fiction fantasy type guy. Yeah. And when I was when I was an actor, they weren't making shows with black and brown people in them like that. Mm-hmm. There was no idea that there would be a show. You know, I don't even know. Like even Star Trek had was probably way out in front on that for decades. Yeah. But even they, compared to now, nothing. Like the idea that the current Discovery show has a female black lead. Right. What the hell? <laughs> like, like, you know, it's it's crazy time. So I'm looking at it a little bit like, oh, Christ, I'm just 50 now. If only I was 25 again, you know, because this is the era of filmmaking and stuff that was built for a person, an actor like me. I yeah. never wanted to do like, you know, Lawyer X and – Cop Y and all that. I wanted to be the guy who gets blasted by laser fire and blown out of air <laughs> You know, I want to be that dude. So, um, so, insofar as that can happen now, yeah, I get back in the gym, get shaped up. 
I, I, there are roles for a guy my age group who looks like me, mm-hmm. uh, who is just playing some young person's dad. Right. And uh, uh, so that's that will be the fun. So there's a whole world of science fiction and fantasy that allows for me to come back into acting if it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired by working with this. There's nothing better than being with a bunch of actors who aren't jerks. Right. There's right. Right. There's nothing better than that. It's just delightful. You skip to work. You know. So that's what it was. Black Panther. Black Panther's Quest definitely put me back on that path. And like I said, in about an hour and a half, uh, me and my manager are going to have some serious talking about that. Awesome. Your overall thoughts on the entire yeah. season of Black Panther's Quest? <laughs> well, uh, I got about 80% of what I wanted done done. Right. Um, we, we had a lot of handicaps, as people who know comics know very mm-hmm. well. Also, if you follow who owns what in terms of copyright in the movies, right. there were characters we couldn't use, characters we would have loved to have had access to. Mm-hmm. The X-Men and Fantastic Four deal after we had shot everything. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you're like, what? No! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> you know, even back in the day, you had to fight. Like if you watch, you watch the old Spider-Man show. He, uh, we guested Wolverine on there a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a massive negotiation. Yeah. Massive. You talking about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, right? When he had him yeah, uh, up here. Spider-Man, yeah. yeah. Um, though, just to get that one character and not mention any of the others. Right. To get, to get Deadpool uh, to come in. Massive freaking negotiation. Wow. Right. And that's just for one or two characters. Imagine. Right. Like so. But what I would say to people is those kind of obstacles of one person go home whining about it. But the way our writers room worked and the way me and my executives work was what are the opportunities provided by the fact that we are not allowed to use Namor right. or we're not allowed to use Dr. Doom mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And so we got a lot of interesting stuff out of it. Um, I got to reshape Panther mythology myself. Right. Um, there are things that we did in the show that comic book readers would be like, well, who's that? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Like, cause it was cool. That's how we <laughs> did it. You know? Uh, so I got to introduce, uh, Yamandi and I got to revamp and, and frankly make more interesting, uh, 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 Princess Xanda, who was, oh, that epi- yeah, she, her, her, uh, uh, introduction into the series was, uh, pretty deep. Yeah, people were like, wait, what? But I, now I got people going, we need Xanda in the movies. I'm like, I, got <laughs> I just made her cool, right? She was sort of a joke character for right. 20 years. I was like, no, no jokes. Um, so but this also, is how, like, Holly, you know, characters like Holly Quinn and Mendoza and exactly, exactly, and Firestar exactly. gets, cre- you know, exactly. gets moved up. Exactly. <laughs> so hopefully people in the comics will be like, wow. Because, by the way, uh, there were a lot of there was a lot of criticism about how does her power work? How is she able to do this? How come Black Panther like couldn't smell her or see her aura or whatever? Right. And I'm like, you think I didn't think of that? Mm-hmm. We just didn't have time in the show to explain how her powers work. Right. Right. But remember, if you look at the the you talk about the intro episode where she comes in with the Inhumans and all that shit, but she's fighting Black Panther. He's in his suit. Yeah. And she's fighting him hand to hand. She's tossing him around one handed. That's not a normal woman who just has martial arts skills. Right. Right. Pay attention. Right. Um, so we did that. We did a whole thing with Wakanda, um, the history of Wakanda. I prefer my version, frankly, mm-hmm. now the way we did it. Mm-hmm. I say my version. You know, they're about. Well, including the writers are about 10 of us. Right. Who 
shaped all of this, but 10 or 15 of us. But uh, in terms of why they brought me in and my vision, yeah, I wanted Wakanda to be a particular way, but I also wanted its history to be a particular way. And so we got to shape that. We got to throwing in Yamandi, the wandering queen, was something I really wanted done. Mm -hmm. The idea that the Wakandans for 10,000 years have been running around the planet collecting dangerous artifacts because humanity is not smart enough to play with that crap and putting it somewhere. That was all from, frankly, I hate to say it like this because it makes me sound braggy. That was (laughs) stuff I wanted to do. Marvel had to say yes. Right. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I said, what if we did this? And they're like, that's insane. We're not doing that. Right. Right. Like I would, like I said, so about 80% of the stuff that I said, they were like, yeah, let's do that. And 20% they're like, are you trying to get fired? Cause we're not doing that. You know, <laughs> you keep saying that. I'm like, but it would be, and they're like, stop talking, Jeff. We're not doing that. So, um, so I think it was a great, I think it's a, uh, I consider it the crowning achievement of my animation writing career. Yeah. Um, I work with a lot of really talented people who I hope go on to bigger and better. Um, some live action people got to write animation for the first or second sometimes times that they would have never done. Some yeah. women who normally get relegated to doing My Little Pony and stuff like that, right, which, right. by the way, is a brilliantly written show and it's nothing against My Little Pony. <laughs> but there's a certain amount of sort of discrimination and segregation that goes on where women are relegated to certain kinds of shows and boys are sort of set over here. And I'm like, that's all crap. Right. Good writers are good writers. I'm bringing these ladies in. But that's what I loved about your, your casting and, you know, your collection of, uh, you know, diversity that you had throughout this whole entire season. Uh, I remember seeing pictures of the cast and you and, and and stuff like that. It's just, it's a beautiful thing that you did. We, we, it was very much um, a group effort. Um, I, I, I don't want to sound too much like a company man because there are bunches of things working on that project that frankly pissed me off. Mm-hmm. But um, that's any show. There's always some stuff that the studio right, wants. Right. They're like, but why? You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, shut up, creative person. Do what we tell you. It's all right. <laughs> you know? but, um, but on the whole, this was a decision from all angles. We all sort of met about the project for months before anything got written. There were multiple, multiple changes. There were a couple of setbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to say since the division no longer exists. Mm. Uh, All that's all gone now. Right. We we started out with a set number of episodes, and we were told while we were making the show that we weren't going to get as many. So that's part of why the season, the speed of the end of the season went as fast as it did, Mm -hmm. was because we didn't we we had several fewer episodes with which to close out certain plot lines, like multiply fewer. Right. So we had to make things go really fast, um, which that bummed me out. Mm. Uh, if we'd been able to tell it full out, right. uh, people would still be talking about that show. There was stuff that we had on the books that we were like, no! But that's one you of know? the things that I think is such a misconception of the fans yeah. That watched the show and like, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do this? I would have, I would have did this. I hear it all the time on our, on social media, in particular yeah. my Facebook group that watches a lot of the content that you create and a lot of the content yeah. that your peers create. And yeah. it's not. I'm looking at it from a different perspective because of the people I know and the things that I've learned from yeah. you guys. It is not that simple. And no, if you was up really to is. you, yes. But I, I challenge anybody who says that all the time to. 
try to get up to that point and make their own uh, content and see and, and let it be paid for by a, a, a major company. See how far yeah, you go. That's and that's what it boils down to, by the way. A lot of people get really bent out of shape, even on our side. People yeah. can know better, frankly. Right. You know, there's a difference between. All right. I st- let's let's just take a show like let's say Roots. That's an easy thing. It's a story of a black family starting in Africa, going through slavery right. up to the present. Right. Very simple. Right. But it has it has to look a certain way. So there's a difference between the, the, the network coming and go, OK, we know we bought the show. Can they all be white? Can this be an Amish story? <laughs> now, that's the kind of thing you quit your job. For. Yeah, exactly. You tell them to go screw themselves. You must be high. I'm not freaking doing that. Are you just trying to make me quit because I'm out this door? Right. But there's another version of it where people think, oh, this particular actor, I wanted so-and-so to play Storm and they cast Halle Berry. What were they thinking? I would have blah, 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 blah. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because if you'd made all that fuss about something like that, you'd either be fired or you wouldn't have got a job in the first place because they would know that by your reputation. They want somebody who's willing to assimilate. Right. So you have to. It is always a negotiation. It is always a collaboration. There's always a cooperation. Yeah. Right. And the reason things fall apart a lot of the time is because those elements can't sync up. Mm-hmm. So a smart production company, which is exactly what they did with me, because they knew you coming over from live action. So you're going to have a lot of different sensibilities. Can we work together? It's right. different when you're doing one script, right? Hey, come write one episode of Spider-Man. Sure. Right. No problem. I just I toss off my draft. My, me and my showrunner talk about it a little bit, do some notes. I'm out. Yeah. Right. Because I don't have to worry about the arc. I don't have to worry about the larger shape of the show. I'm just doing my one episode. Right. Right. But if you're talking about somebody who's going to come in and run a show, the showrunner really is writing the show. Mm-hmm. Every show you've ever seen, however much they lean in or lean back, it's everything filters through them. So even if the showrunner, let's say you wrote me a script and I'm like, wow, this is really great, and I kept 80% of it, yeah. I'm still rewriting it, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately it's my name the network has put the most money into to make sure this all works. Right. Right. So everything has to go. I'm like the head editor. I'm a senior editorial as well as head writer. You're Perry Wright. You're quote unquote Perry White. (laughs) Right. And if something's wrong, I don't make you fix it. I fix it. Right. I don't even I don't check with you. Right. So if you're a smart production executive, if you're a smart studio or network executive, you meet with the people who are going to be making those decisions for weeks or months prior to any contract being sign so you can see that you're sort of on the same page i like that that is that is very strategic (laughs) well that's what they did they felt me out for a month and a half two months taking me out to lunches not telling me what the project was and we're talking way back in 2017 because remember when we first met it was at san diego comic-con that's exactly right (laughs) and they they pulled me out yeah they pulled me out um i literally just finished my second season on librarians and i was looking around Mm -hmm. for like what am I going to do now? What am I going to do next? Not in a grim way, but like, okay, well, guess you're back in this. Right. Let's, let's go fight for another job. Right. And they're like, Hey, would you like to do this? You know? So it, but it, they felt me out. They're like, what, what kind of things are you thinking about for the Panther? What would you do? What would your world be like? So we talked also, um, I don't know what we talked about the last time we talked, but they didn't let us see anything about that movie. Mm-hmm. We knew nothing about that movie. Right. They would not tell us that we asked. They're like, nope, different division. You don't get to know any of that. Sorry. 
You know right. what's funny about that? Because uh, we talked about that before, too. And I'm now rewatching everything on Disney Plus. Thank goodness for that app, by the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy crap. And I'm rewatching, like, all of the Avengers Assemble episodes. And I'm watching, like, leading up to your season. And I'm watching a lot of other shows. And I'm noticing now that the Infinity Saga is over, how much after what we talked about last time as to as far as them not telling you guys what's what and yeah. if you did and if they did they y'all would have probably matched up with what was going on we would have done a bit more matching probably right smart you know for instance uh our version of mabaku yes completely completely different um oh but you were you wasn't going to do that one well i i don't hate i like movie mabaku i was mm-hmm. like that's a fix i can relate to that mm-hmm. thank you that um, our version was well, he's a villain, so let's keep him a villain, but let's not make him that that awful, right? Make him this kind of villain. Yeah. So right. um, the thing with Shuri, how big was she in the movie? How old was she in the movie? We right. didn't know till they announced the cast, which they did while we were working mm-hmm. after we'd already made these decisions, right? Um, so I put I made T'Challa younger, mm-hmm. I made Shuri older, mm-hmm. so they're much closer in age, right? Um, the I had uh, just a billion things that we could never have known unless they told us. Does that throw you uh, off when you when when you discover something like that when it, when they announce stuff like that and you already got your set plan but then you see the movie? Does it come off like a throw off or intimidation of in a, in a sort? Well, you know, you know, I participate in like comic book um, chat boards and stuff. Right, I'm, I'm still the same goofy person. Yeah. I <laughs> I get Amongst other things on social media. Yeah, yeah, we still we still fighting about. Why didn't they use Monica Rambeau for Captain Marvel? I'm like, y'all need to shut up. You know, <laughs> she's coming. Leave her alone. You know, but not from the point of view of somebody who knows anything, just from another fan yelling at a fan. Yeah, just to, so, just for the sake of. Look, for me, it was like they gave me keys to the, the car I'd always wanted to drive. Mm-hmm. So from my point of view, frankly, I was a little concerned no matter what they said. Mm-hmm. Once the contract was signed, I don't think people realize what working for Marvel is actually like. Right. Working for Marvel is like the CIA recruited you. Mm. Okay. I, can, I can see that. I'm straight up telling you guys. Now, it's not it's not that it's not fun, mm-hmm. right? But they take their stuff seriously. Well, look what they've done okay. for the last 11 years. You know you got to that, that's, right? so, that's a particular so, type of quality. They're talking about it like they have the nuclear fissionable materials, fissionable materials in the basement. <laughs> and unless your card, unless your badge has the right color coding, right. you're not going down those stairs. Right. Right. You're not talking. Any, when I took this job, I disappeared from the film community for two mm-hmm. years. Right. I could not tell anyone what I was working on. I could not tell anyone what I, who I was working for. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say a thing. I just vanished. Right. Where's Jeff? Says he's got a gig. On what? Won't tell us. <laughs> Seriously, and they'll come. You mean those, those uh, NDAs, NDAs, man? man. <laughs> they, they don't play. No, so they do not. The, the, the real answer to your question is, to me, uh, frankly, I was worried that they were just going to try to make us do a one-to-one sort of like comic book version of whatever the movie was, yeah. toss me the, the final script and say, all right, base your show off this, mm-hmm. which would have, if the contract's already signed, all I could have really done at that point would have stepped out on protest and sacrificed everything, right. money, Whatever, and yeah. you don't want to piss off Marvel that way, frankly. Right. Uh, but they didn't. They wouldn't tell us anything. So from my point of view, I was like, you can't do the comics. The comics are too dark. Mm-hmm. There's no way a show that's meant to be at most PG, at absolute most PG rated, right. could do all the stuff that Coates is doing in that book. 
So I was like, oh, whew, no rape camps. Right. Thank God. Right. Um, and there was no way we could do the movie because we didn't know anything about it. So what that left me was to go and look at the comics, see what elements I'd always liked and didn't feel like they were getting enough attention. Um, and whatever, if you said, Jeff, uh, you can now control the Black Panther comic book, what would you do? This is it's not exactly, but it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in tone. So they kind of let me roll. I got to hire who I wanted. And like I said, I pitched them some crazy big stuff. It is it is quite obvious right? on a, from a standpoint that, like I said, I'm watching the the uh, previous seasons yeah. in comparison to your season that I watched when I when it uh, aired uh, on on that date. Yeah. Your version has a much more serious dramatic tone compared to the other ones, which was a little bit more comical. Yes, I agree. And oh, by the way, nothing against those shows. I watched those shows and wrote a couple of episodes of the old style Avengers show. Right. But there was an editorial change at Marvel that allowed us. It started about our season was season five. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in the middle of season four, an editorial change. Oh, Steve Wacker. That's it. Mm-hmm. Steve Wacker and, and uh, 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 Harrison Wilcox. They basically convinced the powers that be, let's uh, let's make this more like comics, guys. The comics work. Why don't we right. why don't we see what we can do? So about midway through the Secret Wars season, right. you could see that there was a scene change. Yep. Um, and then by the time it came to the Black Panther season, they were like, just do it. Do comics, Jeff. And I was like, well, we all know how comics work. Let's go. <laughs> right? Um, and um, so that's a pitch, but I pitched them a lot of crazy outlandish stuff to which they said, yeah, no, but you want to pitch people a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? So that when they say no, you don't get mad because right. you've got six more things to pitch them. They're right. going to say yes to one of them. Right. All of them are your idea. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, and again, a lot of this was we were on the same page. We, we had so many conversations before we decided to do contracts that okay. it was like me and Steve and, and, and Harrison. Uh, initially, and then Steve went off to live action and uh, Marsha came in. But by that time, everything was basically set. Um, we were all comic book heads. I met Steve working at a comic book shop. Uh, and uh, uh, people don't know this, but Harrison used to write comics. Mm. So we're sitting around geeking out, going, okay, what version of the Panther are we going to do? And I was like, well, we can steal from this, we can take from that. And my whole big watchword was if people, you you will know this yourself, but I'm a gigantic Zach Kirby fan. Yes. Like gigantic. So not just for so the dots. Point, no, no. <laughs> yeah, God bless the Kirby dots. Right. But like so I was like, basically, if you said what would Stan and Jack do if they had their own cartoon show, right. let's try and do that. Let's try and do that. And they're like, okay, let's go. And I told them, every time they allowed me to talk to anybody designing anything, I was like, when in doubt, think Kirby. Yeah. If you, get, if you hit a wall on something, just think Jack Kirby and you'll be right. I mm-hmm. promise you, we'll be all smiles when you come in. Right. right? So, and so it was great. There was a lot of uh, syncing up. There's a lot of simpatico. The, the writers came in ready to play. They were all eager. Everybody wanted to put their little stamp on whatever they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just, I, like I said, they, I won't lie and say it was universally perfect because nothing can be that. Right. But um, 
it was I got to meet Mark freaking Hamill, dude. That guy's yeah. great. <laughs> that guy is great. I remember okay. seeing a video footage of him doing the behind the scenes of that too. Dude, I could barely find he and Stan Lee were there the same day, dude. <laughs> that I was a great not, foot that was a great footage I there. I had to sit down. I had to sit down. I could not talk to them. You got but, an icon with the comic book Pope. Come on. God rest his soul. Eugene was like, "Hey, come on and you know, come wrap up with, come, 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 spit at uh, what you call it, at, at Stan." And I was like, "Dude, it's Stan Lee. Are you high? <laughs> I, 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 you're lucky I'm conscious right now, right?" <laughs> and plus, Mark Hamill, who, as I say, is just a prince, right? right? I felt like on another level too, like these guys get swarmed everywhere they go. Yeah, they do. Right. I mean, amongst professionals, like instantly they turn seasoned professionals into fans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't want to be one more guy jumping on Mark's neck saying, talking about Luke Skywalker right. and, you know, what do you feel about this? I don't, I don't think he wants to be, I don't want to be one more guy like that for him. Right. I want him to think of me the way I'm trying to think of him. This guy's a really good freaking actor. Yeah. Right. The fact that uh, the billions of people out there can only see him in this one part, that's them. Mm-hmm. Right? This guy is putting his – he doesn't have to do any of this, by the way. He's rich. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do any of it. You yeah. say Luke Skywalker. I now say the Joker. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. From my point of view – oh, by the way, don't even get me started on that. Who's your favorite Joker? Are you high? Yeah, Mark exactly. <laughs> you better get a grip. And then way distant second, Heath Ledger. Right. And nobody right. else needs to be talking about anything. It's Mark <laughs> Hamill. He owns that part for life. Right. Okay. Right. But that's my point. He's very versatile and crazy and interesting. He's everything you want an actor to be, mm-hmm. you know, and humble and nice. And, all. and so you're sitting there as part of your head is a fan. Yeah. And then part of your head is I got work to do. Right. And I wanted them to respect me. So I didn't want to. I mean, nothing against all the people whose brains drop out when they're fan, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Well, I'm talking to Haley Atwell, and she's damn lucky she was in London doing her lines and not in the room with us. <laughs> you know, uh, and same thing with Anika. She was, I mean, I've met her since. I, I, I totally but, empathize with you. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's no way that I could have functioned properly as a, as a professional if these, these great, talented people whose work I had loved and admired for so long mm-hmm. were physically present. Right? I, it, it, takes, it takes brain work yeah. to not have your brain melt. Right. So so those things are really great fun. And no kid who grew up with Marvel Comics, either getting to write the comics or do a cartoon like this or, God forbid, act or write or direct or possibly do the wardrobe or the music score or whatever for one of these motion pictures. All of us are geeking out like maniacs inside. Yeah. There's no way you're not. My whole creative life is shaped by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Like. What do you think I'm feeling when I'm making this show? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you telling, man? (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, everybody knows, you know, you know what you would do. So you know what I was doing. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah, so it was great. It was great. And uh, it was a great way to close out. If I do any more animation, it'll either be for a really good friend on a project that they, you know, Jeff, we really need you, which, by the way, I don't know that that will ever happen. Right. Or uh, something I make up myself. I, I don't believe I'll be doing this. It's just very time consuming and But you got um, it you got that experience and you got that you got a lot of great memories and, and such and Oh my god. Oh my god. Like 
you you have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, can, I, I can't even tell you all this stuff. Can you definitely tell me, like, out of all the episodes that you had, was there one in particular that stuck out to you? Yeah, I really like um, the introduction of Yamandi, mm. uh, the, the the thing with young Thor running around being an idiot and her <laughs> sort of romantic comedy episode. I love that. Right. I love that they let me do the Bashenga episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me like I had to choose which episodes because you know there's twenty something and your duties don't allow you to like. Not that I would have done this, but there's no way I could have written every episode myself, right? right? So which ones are you going to do? We got to open it. I wanted to close it out, but then we had some negotiations about how we were going to close it out because at that time uh, we had thought, oh, there will be a season um, seven yeah. or six. Right, we thought there might be another season, and it might focus on another Avenger. Mm-hmm. So I had to put all the toys back in the box, basically. I couldn't, I couldn't presume it was going to be another season about Black Panther. Absolutely right. So uh, there was a lot of negotiation about that. Oh, this is something people don't know. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, and I don't even care right now. <laughs> um, there was a period of time in the middle of us making it where they were very seriously considering this was just going to be the Black Panther show. Wow. We were just going to spin spin this off, and it was just going to be its own thing. Honestly, they really could have. I mean, it had yeah. it had its own vibe. It had its own feel. Um, it had yeah. its own. The role gallery was already building up like mad. Oh my god, that was oh my god. The that Shadow was, Council was just like going crazy right? this entire season. That's what I'm saying. They were going to be. Oh my god. Don't. And by the way, don't let me get my hands on the actual comic book. <laughs> I never get my hands on the actual comic book Black Panther because the Shadow Council is coming back, baby. Oh my god. Um, like in, uh, in like in the in the recent upcoming books. I mean, I no, I'm saying I would do that. I oh. would do that. I was in charge. That's like that was basically like the the G or PG rated sketch of what I would do if I was running Black Panther. Right. Comic book. Right. Like, um, yeah, the, he needed his own rogues gallery. One of the things, even though we used Baron Zemo. Um, oh, a perfect example. Our Killmonger. is nothing like mm-hmm. movie Killmonger. Like, literally nothing like movie Killmonger, and he's nothing like comic book Killmonger. Right. He's our own guy, right? And so we got to play with him in different ways. We got to do a lot of stuff. We invented Basque, the sister of Bashenga. Mm-hmm. She doesn't exist anywhere else, right? Right. That was another thing I wanted to do was um, a lot of time in comics, and right now there's a sort of a, a social split between a bunch of people whose names I will not use <laughs> who are jerks. Racists and misogynists and right. all that who think this is some sort of a white boys, white straight boys club. Right. So I was like, yeah, we're not doing that. So um, one of the big things I definitely wanted to do was I wanted very prominent black women um, who all had different kinds of personalities, mm-hmm. uh, different goals. There's black villainous. There's you know, there's one who's on the fence. There's Shuri. There was Yamani. Right. right. All of that was so that. Um, I could add some female participation to the Panther mythology, right? Not as uh, not Shuri is the only one, and the Dora right. who are tech, the Dora are technically servants, right? And we couldn't use Okoye, we couldn't use Nakia, Nakia. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't know they were going to be in the movies, and in the comics, they have different different um, roles. Right. So we couldn't use uh, uh, Shuri's mom. Wow. Uh, 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 I was like, because they didn't want the show to be about palace entry. Oh, right? gotcha. You know, 
right? So most of those characters really only exist in Wakanda, where we decided early on this is going to be a globetrotting type show, kind of yeah. like a James Bond type show. So we weren't going to be spending enough time in Wakanda uh, to to really focus focus in on. But you brought essence types. to it that it exists. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Plus, with the with the motion pictures, those characters are getting a lot of light shown on. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is add at least a couple that got no lights on them yeah. so that hopefully kids who watch the show and one day grow up to be movie makers or comic book makers will go, you know what I love when I was a kid? I love Princess Xana. Can we do something with her? Yeah. You know, so that's that's just a seed for 20 years from now or 15 years from now, 10 let me, years from now. Let me tell you one of the things I do appreciate, and you just touched on it a bit, is that the role gallery that you guys created for the series was a major deal because there's always the the – formula that yeah. any pro- any protagonist has to have an even better pro- uh, antagonist and That's i felt right. like who kept winning uh, yeah. yeah and i felt like you guys just kept going and kept building on this big faction of people that were just you know taking over um like in a in a hydra almost cobra like way and, exactly and and it, it really helped out now it and i say this because i was i used to read um sam wilson Captain America series. Yeah, and the yeah. one thing that was missing from that book was that they never treated him. I felt like personally, and I, not just myself, I, there was other people I was used to talk to and read with this, those books. Mm-hmm. We liked the book, but also what, what took away from the book was that he had all these street level enemies and people. And it, like he, there was nothing, uh, there was never anything threatening that he can yeah. face. And I, mean, I, I, I need, yeah. well, my rule is this. The villain, even if it's only one, and if you have a team of villains, it's even better. Yeah. But uh, the hero should be weaker and less capable than every villain. Overcoming the odds and underdog. Right, right. And people will look at me like, what? And I'm like, are you high? If it was not that way, then there'd be no reason to read the book. That's, a, that's storytelling like, one-on-one, to be honest. I, a, yeah, right? <laughs> the hero like, has to work for it or you don't care. Right. How do you if think Spider-Man has it, lasted this long? <laughs> exactly. And by the way, his people are like, oh, we made him a sad sack. Like, well, I'm like, did you not read those original comics? Peter's life was messed up. Yeah. Like, that's the like reason why people. That's what. That's what. I, I, I look. I clung. I clinged on those Peter because you know, in back, in, you know, in the '90s, because I was like, dude, this is all the stuff I'm going through right now. <laughs> yeah. Girl right, trouble, right. bills, well, all I, that. This right. is done. That's right. <laughs> Nobody understands me. Parents just don't understand, man. You know? And yeah, so it's hard because the downside of our job, and you've known this now that you've hooked up with a bigger company, I'm sure you're dealing with it to some degree on small levels. Mm-hmm. There's things a company, and it's the company's money. And in the case of this, it's the company's property. Yeah. I don't own any of these characters. Even the ones we invented, I don't own them. Yeah. They go, when I go away, Marvel, DC, Disney, they can do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. They own those characters. You know that going in. Right. Right. So there's friction. They've hired you because you're an expert at something and you know the street, right? You're mm-hmm. the person who's on the street level. This is the reason you're talking to me is because you know I can do it. Right. So trust me. Uh, we don't really <laughs> trust you. But, you know, we have these algorithms and we have these business projections. And, you know, we don't, we don't know. Metrics. But, but I know. Yeah. Right. We have metrics, all this stuff. And creative people often get angry about that because they're like, one, a lot of them don't understand it. Yeah. And two, they're like, well, you're getting in the way of quality product. It's like, yo, we make, what is it, man? This is a Wendy's drive-thru. <laughs> you know, like um, if you're trying to do spaghetti at McDonald's, you probably shouldn't have taken the McDonald's job. 
right? So what you want to keep trying to find is a way for everybody to get most of what they want. Right. Right. Um, and then you, sh- and then also it's a crapshoot anyway. Nobody knows. Like, was Wood Goldman? Nobody knows anything. Right. Um, they all want to pretend that they can project out. And that, you know, because something happened last year this way, therefore next year it'll work that way. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Things it's can change always, just like at a snap. It's a crapshoot. It's yeah. a crapshoot. Right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Aquaman 2 now that we know all this stuff about Amber Heard. Yeah. Are we going to be keeping her as Mara? Right, I don't right. Know. Not my call, but I guarantee you there's a whole lot of meetings going on. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> so I guess my point is, um, <coughs> no, you're fine. I guess my point is that um, working into these conditions, working in, in the Black Panther universe was a joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to, to add anything to it where uh, some other creatives can go, I want to play with that. Um, uh, I, I took liberties. I changed stuff around. The whole idea that Bashenga, the original Black Panther, had a sister who was actually probably more badass than him, right. kind of like Wolverine to his Cyclops. Right. Uh, that's something brand new that we made up for the show. Um, but because Marvel owns it, any writer can come in and grab that and do what the hell they want with it, which is what I want. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Right. Right. I looked at the I looked at the Kirby Black Panther run. I looked at the Chris Priest. Black Panther run. I looked at my favorite, which we didn't get to do anything with really, but my favorite Black Panther story is called See Wakanda and Die, written by Jason Aaron. Yeah. Um, we couldn't do that. Like, we just didn't have, we ran out of running room to do mm-hmm. anything like that. But my version of Wakanda is, if you ever want to know what, what Jeff's version of Wakanda is, just read those two issues of See Wakanda and Die. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because uh, <laughs> uh, that's all you need to know about how I feel about Wakanda. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, so that was Black Panther. Black Panther. No, but let's move on to something else, too, because we haven't, like I said, we haven't talked in a while. What was your overall thoughts of uh, the Infinity Saga in completion? I loved it. Um, I, I think it was a masterstroke of something. Um, I don't know if it's a truly a game changer because I'm not certain it can be duplicated even by, um, even by Marvel. Uh, they started out with a gamble with Iron Man one, mm-hmm. which was just Iron Man at the time. Yeah. People keep pretending like this is all the, a fait accompli that Kevin Feige came down from the mountain with the stone tablets. And this is what we're going to no, do. This is like, we had this much money and we're just going to throw it all in. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, the, I feel like they, everybody took a lot of risk. There's a lot of people now because they're all like, how do I say this? At the end of the journey, everybody's going to tell you all the things you did wrong and right. Yeah. Like they knew in advance yeah. what, where that pat, pothole was going to be and mm-hmm. how come that, you know, those helicopters are in the way. You didn't know anything. Well, I can't Nobody. wait to the fans like five years later and say it was crap. Yeah, this always happens. It's like when people praise something so high, there's always like a minority of people that will come in like years later and try to like be contrarian about the whole entire thing. That decade of Marvel motion pictures is a mic drop. They can all walk away and do nothing else with their lives. And I'm about to swear now, so you can have to bleep it or whatever. (laughs) But everybody can kiss their asses. Oh. Uh, who has anything negative to say about it? I second that. Uh, I, I co-signed that right there. Never been done before. No one even thought it was possible. And Kevin Feige, 
I've never met this man. I don't know him. I don't know what kind of dude he is. I, he could be great. He could be a dick. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I do know this. Uh, he's been on this since he was a uh, associate producer in an animated show. Yeah. He's been trying to do this stuff right for more than the time it's been done right. For maybe 25 years, he's been trying to do this right. Right. His name's on a lot of projects that people will go, really, damn, that was terrible. It's like, yeah, but look what happened when they let him drive. Mm -hmm. Right? And I, there are little tiny bits that are sort of creative differences, right? There's things I would have done differently as a writer, slightly. Mm -hmm. There's things I might have pushed the envelope on a little bit more, slightly. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I probably would have had more um, queer representation overtly queer representation in the projects. Um, there's some stuff with Black Widow that I was a little bit unhappy with mm. overall. But one of the things that people always have to remember, they always think that these people are deities, right? Like the, the Lord High Feige up there is demanding things happen and they go his way every time. Mm -hmm. He's one of many. And yes, there are a lot of us well below him on the pyramid, but he doesn't win every argument either. Right. Right. There's Disney above him. He's just the Marvel guy. Disney may have other plans. Mm -hmm. He may want to go after. They're like, yeah, you ain't doing that, Kevin. We love you. But no, <laughs> you know, really? No, but I'm Kevin. No, you better take that. hat off. <laughs> this is Disney. Take that bass out of your voice. Mr. Feige. It's Disney. Right. We're going left. When we say left, we mean left. Right. Right. <laughs> There's no left or or leftish or bare to your left. Take that left turn. <laughs> Take that left turn. So he's having a, he's having similar arguments with peers and people above him that I have with peers and people above me. Right. Uh, that that saga, and I guess it's technically ongoing until we get rid of the Black Widow movie. That would be the last of the original group, right, to get a solo movie. Right. So, um, uh, I, I, I think it's a thing of beauty. I, 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 I what's really weird. You know which one I watch over and over again. Ant-Man 1. Really? I watched Ant-Man 1 over and over again. What's the intrigue? And after that, I don't know. And I watched Winter Soldier slightly less. Not that but... I, not that I, not, there's not one, but to me, it, 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 in its entirety, there's not one bad movie. And I'm not, I'm yeah, not even the, talking, the not worst... even, I, I would say the less for me would be like Thor 2. Yes! Everyone will agree. <laughs> I don't understand where all the hate for Iron Man 2 came from. I think they just wanted to I hate still, I will justify Iron Man 3, especially when they corrected themselves later on down the line. Yes, yes. And also, like, Age of Ultron, people jump on that, and I'm like, you know what, you all... You know what? The only, the only won. problem I have with um, Avengers 3 is how charismatic Ultron was instead of menacing, but I still like the character. Yeah, but listen... If that had been movie one instead of the Avengers versus Loki movie one, yeah. then they would be yelling at Avengers versus Loki. If that had been two, because people don't understand, the first Avengers movie had never been done before. Right. And that was the movie that everybody was like, no, they can't, they can't do this. How are they going to pull this off? These must be crazy. That's how we was in the first phase of the whole thing. I can't That's believe they're going to. The minute that we saw, what was it? The minute that we saw, um, uh, Oh God! What is Samuel L. Jackson as uh, yeah. Nick Fury? As, and it was like, wait, they're they're really going to do this? And when we led yeah. up to finally doing it, I'm like, if any of these movies fail, this thing is going to bomb. None of them failed. We got None to Avengers, and wait, when Avengers wait, came out, wait. it was like, oh my you're God, they're doing this. Wait, you're bypassing something. <laughs> What's that? Remember the ripples they sent to 
all comic book fandom when they said, you know what else we're going to do? Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. People were like, no, you know what? No, I'm still on the right pace. Why would you do that? No, that was after the fact because you got to remember when we when when Avengers came out, it was like, okay, they actually did it. And then more surprise to us, we see Thanos. And I'm like, they're not going to do what I think they're going to do. They're not doing this. They're They're not not doing doing the Infinity Gauntlet. There's no way they're doing this. (laughs) Yeah, man. And I'm like, but again, they're like, people will say, well, they must have known they announced all this stuff. And I'm like, that was their best guess. Yeah. They announced their plan. Mm -hmm. But you were quite right. Had any of those movies spiraled down into the dirt, he would have got fired and they would have taken This whole thing would have been scrapped. That's exactly right. Because it's too big. Yeah. Never been tried before. Um, so my feeling is on the whole process, mm-hmm. uh, Captain America began as my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my favorite white superhero. The Prowler is my favorite superhero. Uh, Prowler uh, from uh, Enter the Spider-Verse? No, no. Or the he, comic book version? The comic book version. Oh, okay. Hobie uh, Brown. <laughs> uh, but uh, Captain America is my favorite superhero. He's the most closely... Um, Aside from the Prowler, who is really my more real-world self, uh, <laughs> he, 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 example, he exemplifies my ideals. I love his journey, mm-hmm. um, and he came out of that a king, from mm-hmm. my point of view. Um, I thought the art that they gave to Tony Stark was masterful. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. The People forget the argument he has with Cap in the Avengers movie. Uh, you're not a guy that anyone will follow you would never land a grenade to save your friend's lives. Right. Right. And he's like, I try to figure a way to disarm the freaking grenade, dude. I'm not mm-hmm. stupid. You're, you're grunt jerk, butt. right. <laughs> like, but at the I end, what that. does he do? But what does he do at the very end? He Snap saves his fingers. Friend by laying on the grenade. Yeah. Right. And anyone who doesn't tell me that that's not the perfect hero's journey. So Tony Stark, even in comics is a selfish jerk. Mm-hmm. He's super, uh, he's got a giant super ego. He thinks he he just he's an awful awful human being. He does the right thing for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> right. right. He's always doing the right thing so he can talk about it later. He doesn't give a damn. Right. And by the end of that movie, he knew he wasn't going to. By the end of that ten years, mm-hmm. he knew he wasn't coming back from what he was about to do, and he did it. Come I just on. Love the way everything connects, boy. I tell you. <laughs> That's work. That's hard work. Man. It is. Men and women have to work really hard to make all that stuff. Like I said, if people have so many misconceptions and take things for granted as to how this process goes. If you really, really emphasize on the depth of what they, or what goes on with the writing and behind it, the, the whole connecting, the connecting thing, the formula of the connections is just insane. When you look at all that, I mean, like even back to like even Agent Sitwell and how he connected from one movie to the TV series and back to the movie. And it's just it's it. That is crazy. No, it's insane. It's It's truly insane amount of detail to even try it is insane. Mm -hmm. Right. And the fact that they kept pulling it off and kept pulling it off and kept pulling it off. And like you said, even for what is it, the dark world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weak. But I always tell people it's weak when you compare it to other Marvel movies. It's not weak. It's just like Doctor Strange. Is that a weak movie, or is it just weak when you compare it to the other amazing Marvel movies? Right. Like shut up. <laughs> you know. So I mean, 
Uh, whatever. So I loved it. I loved it. I, I that I tell people all the time. That was my all you people are nuts about Star Wars. That was my Star Wars. That that ten years was my Star Wars. I got a few, but, I got a yeah. couple a uh, few more questions I got for you. But okay. again, as always, you're always it's always a pleasure having you on, my brother. Sure, sure. Always a pleasure. Um, oh, just dude, I love this. Oh, just <laughs> the top of your head, what would you say right now will be your proudest accomplishment you worked on? Oh my God. Um, well. Wow, that's big because I figured it was. <laughs> You've done a lot, you believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I would say in live action, in live action, the proudest thing will probably be leverage. Hmm. Um, leverage was my first big, big chance to do anything big, you know, where I get to write things and produce my own episodes, and also it has the same politics that I have. Right. I made some really, I hope, lifelong friends out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, uh, for that would be the proudest for live action so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, 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 although the show that I'm on now might be able to edge it out, <laughs> uh, we will see. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm loving that too. <laughs> um, I'm on this the power spinoff, Ghost. So, Get out of here! Uh, yeah, dude. Um, we weren't allowed to say, as usual, not allowed to say anything, but they were, they've announced a bunch of stuff lately. So, yeah. So you're able to edge uh, a little something. You're curving right now. Yeah. So the thing that we're working on, on that. We're, we're in process and I'm loving the people I'm working with and my boss is fantastic and the project's really fun and all that. Talk about a but beloved it, character, man. Jeez. Oh my God. Well, don't, I, I, I didn't work on power. <laughs> I had nothing to do with power. But even still, That's it's like show. you're, you're no, working no, on I'm a, a fan, fan favorite there. Yeah. I'm a fan. But yeah, I, that was some, I don't even, I can't even picture what those people must have. Oh my God. But so, yeah, so it's going to be a toss up between ghost and leverage, I'm sure. Um, but for animation right now, nothing is going to, um, nothing is going to get near Black Panther. I've worked on a bunch of stuff I'm happy and proud of. Dwayne McDuffie gave me my first jobs on, um, on uh, Ben 10. But uh, I wasn't going to say it, but there is, and I, whether people agree with me or not, I don't care. I feel a bit of milestone in that series. Dude, if you don't feel milestone in everything I do in comics, <laughs> then you're not paying attention. I'm not kidding. I was I, I made a little eulogy for, for Dwayne after he passed, mm-hmm. and I was not kidding. We will take it from here is my freaking motto. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, I'm writing milestone books. If it's an independent book of my own or if I'm working for DC or Marvel, you can assume Jeff has in his head that he's writing a milestone book. Right. That's awesome. Uh, that, that's my man. That, that, that cut me in half when we lost Wade. Um, I he, he's, I, I mention him every, you know, whether people celebrate it or not, I mention him every February because it's black history and he, damn it, he's, he's a big part of black history within our fandom and our genre. He, he started so many people's ability to do this that he was so much more too. I'm saying, even aside from him as a writer, yeah. aside from him as an editor, aside from him as a producer, aside from all the stuff that most people know about, mm-hmm. he put more people by himself. Yeah, put more people into this business, either comics or uh, into animation, just by letting them do the thing they always wanted to do. Because he would recognize that, and he would say, "All right, you know, here's a bat. Go up yeah. this swing. Go up." Let me ask you something about in regards to him, because um, I watched the documentaries on him, and I know documentaries don't always tell the whole entire story, yeah, but yeah, it told yeah, yeah. enough 
to me yeah. to know that all that he was fighting for and all that he did and the pressure and the weight that had him. Do you believe that a lot of that led to the final days of him? Oh, um, no. Um, I think that that was just bad genes. Mm. I think uh, his family has a history of uh, this sort of problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, had had our medical had our medical system been a little bit better a little bit earlier yeah. probably we still have it yeah but uh, I don't know that Dwayne's life at that time was basically unfolding mm-hmm. like all the things everything that we all know about like the public knows about him at yeah. that point like literally that week of his life was everything that I've been building is about to happen yeah like you don't even know I can't it's not my place to say but all the things that were happening for Dwayne at that moment, there's no way he was under huge amounts of pressure and stress. He was with the love of his life. His yeah. career was hitting its – his career was still going up, and it hadn't hit its apex yet. Yeah. And he was, was still, still doing uh, Justice League Unlimited at the time? Uh, he was doing – that was over. He was doing um, uh, direct to the, the streaming movies. He had just done Superman, okay. uh, All-Star Superman. Oh, wow. But, the live action projects, the deals he'd made with DC Comics. Yeah. People just don't even know mm-hmm. all the crap that was about to unfold with Dwayne's name on it. So I don't see that there's any way he would. And by the way, like I said, Charlotte and him were, mm-hmm. they just got a house. They were happy. You, you have never seen a happier couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were perfect for each other. Again, this is the side that I wish they would have mentioned on a documentary. Well, I don't know if people feel that it's their place to say. I never right. get asked to talk in these documentaries. But uh, the the bottom line is no, I don't think that his his health concerns were stress related. Were stress related. Okay. Uh, he he was by far, and I mean this with no this is empirical. He was the smartest human being I have come across, and I've met some freaking smart people. Mm-hmm. He was uh, officially, truly, an actual genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I asked him once, uh, and I've said this before, so people have heard me. I was like. I'm often in rooms with people who are not as smart as me, and I'm nowhere near where you you are. Mm-hmm. And it can get old if there's more than two of them, mm-hmm. right? It can get old if I'm in a room full of ten people and they're all idiots. Yeah. That can get rough, right? But I'm only I'm only what you describe as bright. Mm-hmm. You are an actual genius, right? Like, is it like being in a room full of kindergartners all the time for you? <laughs> and he thought about it and he was like. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Ants to boot. <laughs> right? And he was, I was like, how do you tolerate it? He's like, because it's funny. And I was like, people don't get it. He was a huge fan of Little Lulu comics. Mm. Right? Like, that was his jam. Okay? You can't yeah, get it. I feel better because I used to be a Casper and Richie Rich dude growing yeah, up yeah, before, exactly. I, before I graduated to, like, the Marvel. He loved all of that stuff, right? And you realize that a person like that with that level of intellect, Mm -hmm. either they're going to be a very dark person because they see how the world is and they don't have any buffer or they're going to approach everything with humor. Right. And Dwayne just – he was always on the verge of laughing. You could tell. Even the most serious moment, something was going to break him up because it was just – life tickled him. Right. I, I wish I could be like that. I'm much more the, the first kind. I'm mm-hmm. much more of an angry, sort of like, wait, what kind of person? <laughs> uh, and Dwayne was always, he could always see a way around and he always was ready to laugh. Like, 
I, I don't know how he did it. I honestly don't know how he did it. He's the best. I, I wish I'd been able to know him better and longer. He, he seems like probably the best person I ever knew. Hey, the fact that you got a little bit means a lot. <laughs> Trust me, because there are a yeah, lot of people who know. Yeah, there's a lot of people who know about him, and myself included, who wish that they had the opportunity to even talk with him, if not for a second, to even just say thank you. Yeah. You know what he, I'm saying? He felt, he felt all that. I mean, he's not a saint. People want to make people who die early a saint. Yeah. He's a human being, mm-hmm. but he definitely he's the kind of human being that you would you would want to be in the position he occupied. Right. He's exactly the person you would wish that was everybody was like that. Right. Right. He was about the work. He was about the quality of the work. He was about people, all people. I mean, I get teared up about this, but he was, if you could sum Dwayne McDuffie up, and I say this all the time now, but if you could sum him up, everybody who can play should get to play. Hmm. That's Dwayne McDuffie. I like that. Okay. And if you don't feel like that, you don't have much to say to me, Jeff. Like, I truly like that philosophy and that mindset. Everyone who can do this should be allowed to do it. And that's not everybody. That's another thing people don't get. Yeah. It sounds very benign and all that's a sweet, you know, MLK, MLK kind of thing to say. Right. Dwayne was as much a gladiator as the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he understands the nature of this game, but not everybody can be in the NBA. But right. everybody who can play at that level should be at least allowed to try to play at that level. Right. That's all he ever said, and I agree with that, and I will die with reading with that. Uh, I wish more people were like that. I wish everybody was like that. You know, it was funny that you said that because that segues right into my next and probably partially last question here. Okay. We're nearing – this is the last week of Black History Month, our favorite shortest month of the year. <laughs> I know. They gave us the shortest one. God bless them. <laughs> yes. God bless. God bless. We've been hearing a lot of people, especially non-people of color, Uh, give speeches lately about, you know, inequality of black talent in Hollywood and other platforms (laughs) lately. And I'm not talking about Michael Bloomberg, not by a long shot. (laughs) But just, you know, to ask you, do you feel at this time our culture is more celebrated or valued or less, even less than before when uh, it comes to movies and animation and comics? I think the secret, the true answer to that is that we're more of a commodity than we've ever been. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I despair of young entertainers and young people in the arts because they don't tend to want to know their history. This isn't a black thing. This is all of them. Yeah. Um, they make, I think, a lot of short-sighted decisions because they don't know how the business evolved and how yeah. all these practices came into being. The, the bottom line is America has been eating black culture since we've got here. Yeah. America, uh, yeah. All of their music, all their fashion, all of their – everything that they would hold up as Americana, yeah. nearly all of it, us. Now, you, so, not, to, not, to, not to really totally quote Paul Mooney in a sense, but he had, he's had a saying on uh, the, the Chappelle show a while back. And I, won't, I never like saying the N-word, and I'm not going to say it, so I'll just say he's like, yeah. everybody want to be a – but uh, nobody wants to be a <laughs> – Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So um, – <laughs> Uh, I don't want to come for any particular person, but uh, what's his name? Tom Hanks' other son? Oh, God, was, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. No said. True, well, no, but he's expressing true, like, why is everybody so mad? Right? It's like, because that's not yours, dude. Mm-hmm. You, didn't build, you didn't build a society that way where we can all jump around. Now, you want to go have a French accent, nobody's going to jump on you. Right. Right? All right? You want to sound like you're Irish? Jump all over it. 
do it. Be English. Be German. That's the society that you guys built. But all of us are on the outside of it who you've been parasiting off of. All of our cultures, our music, our women, our children, all of that shit, our fashions, all of that shit, that's ours. Like, you made it so. I never thought we would see snow back on the scene again. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying. But here's the thing. Or come at it authentically. Yeah, exactly. You come from, if you're a white kid who grew up there, and that's how you talk, and that's how you talk. And you know what happened? All your black friends will line up behind you like, take your hands off my boy. Mm -hmm. But if you're just some rich kid from Beverly Hills who decided that was cool and you're going to be like that, expect an ass whipping. You should expect an ass whipping. Right. And that's the same thing with Latin people. That's the same thing with Asian American people. Like that's not yours to play with. That's yours to respectfully ask. Can you participate? Right. Right. And the answer is almost always. Yes. Look at musicians. Do they give a shit? Mm -hmm. Pardon me. Do they give a damn? (laughs) Right. If you can play, you can sit in. Right. Right. But don't come in here like you own it. Right. Right. So very true. Well, yeah. The short answer to your the short answer to your question is, uh, as we have become globalized, the strength of our ability to create good artwork has become more and more commoditized. Yeah. The problem still remains, and it's a combination of factors which we cannot we don't have time to get into. Some of which is on us, frankly. Thank uh, you for saying that. A good portion, I would say, of the hundred percent of why this is crappy, twenty to forty percent is on us now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Because there's too many venues where we would control. There's too many ways that we could control the product. Uh, and also the venues by which it is dis- displayed. So the fact that that isn't happening, that's complicity on a certain set of people's side. Right? They like it the old way instead of the way it could be. Right. And God bless, whatever. I'm never going to be that rich, so I can say whatever I want. Nobody <laughs> listens anyway. But, um, but I would say... Uh, in terms of who's in charge of stuff, no. The, the the more money to be made, the less they want anybody else in there to to get that money. Yeah. So um, it's one thing when your rapper friend shows up and he's made himself a billion dollars. Well, he's already a billionaire. Right. But you, that was like, oh damn, he got over the fence. All right. Well, I guess we got to be nice to him. Right. Right. You know, or her. Right. But. Uh, then I look into like open the doors so other people can come in. They're gonna give that to their stupid nephew who can't get his shit together. Right. Right. Come run this part of my company. Stupid nephew is always in jail and getting drug, getting pulled over for drugs, and mm-hmm. sleeping with the wrong people. Yeah, you you don't need to do to run my company. You know, like yeah. that version of cronyism and nepotism. That's what keeps us out. So, um, yeah. We have never had more opportunity than we have now. I don't know that we will not squander it as we usually do. And, you know, I mean, you say that and I totally get it. And we are of same culture of two different communities or or let's say yeah. social social stratifications at best. Yeah. And you've been living in your social in your social stratification for some time now. I've lived in mine for some time. My situation, I still see us struggling to come together as a unit to build. How is yeah. it in your neck of the woods? Uh, I mean, it depends, right? I think it's very hard. There's a very much of there can be only one attitude and still too many people. Mm-hmm. So um, whenever I'm in charge of hiring, when I'm in charge of that, what we're describing, yeah. you've seen the, the writer's rooms that I put together, they look like America. Yeah, I, yeah. They look like America. They just, that's the way it's going to be. I'm sorry. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it as a political thing because mm-hmm. 
I don't, I, I, tr- I don't have that filter in my way to worry about. Right. I had an argument with one company that I was working for because I wanted to hire a white guy. And they're like, well, we got enough white guys. I'm like, you don't have this one. That's why I want this one. And they were like, and these were white people I was arguing with. And they were like, well, we got a list of white guys. You can choose from that list. They're already approved. I'm like, I know, but and nothing against your list. They're all great. But this one guy, this is the guy I want. No, I can't have. That's right. I'm not, I feel like once people start looking at the dollar signs, you find out where their real agenda actually is. Right. It's very difficult to put together groups of people to make something where there's hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars at stake. Right. And then they don't, they don't get to be the one person who's in charge of it. and They don't reap the lion's share of the benefit. Right. So the answer is, I think it's the same as it ever was. It's just that we have more outlets and more spaces. So it seems a little bit more diffuse. Yeah. Um, there's less pressure on certain kinds of people, but like, hmm. I think there's a lot of short-sighted people. They look for the, they look for the immediate thing, the thing they can say at the next party that we did X or whatever, mm-hmm. instead of, um, I always go back to, there used to be a company called United Artists. Uh, it's gotten absorbed since then. And this is what I mean about going into Hollywood history and knowing what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, four creators who felt that the studio system was crappy and wasn't treating them well. And this is when the studio system was really just getting going. They were like, nope, not doing this. <laughs> um, I'm way too big of a star. I'm way too big of a director. I'm way too big of a producer. You guys would be proud to treat me like this. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to be our own studio. We're yeah. now called United Arts. Right. And, and literally, what are we? United Artists. And we're too big for you to mess with. So you're going to deal with this. Um, there are so many black people. There are so many people of various groups. You choose, choose your marginalized group. There are enough people in each of those groups that they could do their United Artists without talking to anybody else. There are enough places to distribute without talking to anybody else. Mm-hmm. But everybody wants it to be on the Oscars still. Right. Right. So they want to yell about Oscars so white. And I keep pointing out to people um, nothing against them. God bless their political activity. Fist in the air. Go, baby, go. <laughs> okay. But there used to be a thing called the Cable Ace Awards. Oh, yeah. I remember be, that. And you remember that. <laughs> yeah. kids don't remember that because they don't remember before cable. Right. Right. Totally when, cable started, <laughs> when cable started, regular broadcast TV was like, oh, no, no, no. You, you guys, you're not getting any Emmys out of us. Mm. You must be crazy. You guys can swear and show sex and violence and stuff we can't do. Right. That's not fair. So we're not going to be giving it. We're not even considering you. You're cable. We're not even going to be considering you for Emmys. This is when the first first round of these great shows started coming out. Right. Right. Unfettered writers not having to worry about pleasing sponsors just going off. Ah, the nice. And a lot of great. Right. Okay. <laughs> ah, the nice. God bless the nice. Right. Well, here's what happened. They said, you know what? Fine. We're going to do the Cable Ace Awards. We're going to give ourselves awards. And you know who watched the Cable Ace Awards? More people, mm-hmm. more people watch the Cable Ace Awards than watch the Emmys. Yeah. You know what happened with the Emmys? They very quickly one year said, you know what? Let's start considering these Cable Ace people. We don't need those Cable Ace people. Right. We don't need that other competing awards show. We want the Emmys to be the thing. Right. So they started giving those awards. And the Cable Ace Awards does not exist anymore. Right? Doesn't need to. Right. They won. They exactly. I was just about to say, like, right? so I'm like, why are you yelling? Mission accomplished. So my feeling about the Oscars is, um, 
The academy is essentially uh, a pre-desegregation rich white social club yeah. that votes on stuff that they like at their rich, rich white social club. Yeah. Then segregation, desegregation happened. Everybody's like, well, I want to be at that club. And I'm like, why? <laughs> They're still the same bunch of races. Exactly. And we're still every right? year, we're still having somebody do a yeah. particular type yeah. of speech. They're like whining, whining, whining. I'm like, you know what? Bite me. Make your shit. Tell Beyonce to give the Beyonce Awards. Right. I promise you, more people will watch the freaking Beyonce Awards mm-hmm. than ever watch the freaking Oscars. And the following year, Oscar won't be so white anymore. Mm-hmm. But all this bullshit political blah, 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 blah. You guys should be better human beings. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening to that. Nobody's listening to that. Hit them with money. Just keep them Hit moving. Them with, yeah, exactly. Hit them with money. Hit them with let them ra- Let them ratings drop. Right. Drop those ratings in the toilet because you're over here watching the NAACP Awards. Yes. But you got to make your show that show, though. Yeah. Right. You can't just say, oh, be over here because we're black. <laughs> you got to you got to you got to make your show. Like, oh, damn, and it looks like a 90. It looks like a 90s Fox show. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. See, this is the thing. I'm not going in on anybody. Everybody's doing their best is what I feel. But you're talking what from I'm a perspective is, of. Right. To win the argument. You have to understand the grounds on. You have to understand the field of battle. Yeah. The field of battle is not a bunch of people protesting the Oscars. It sounds great. You can talk. You can talk about it. Maybe make some incremental change over the course of maybe a year or six months. Right. But in terms of real change, the only thing that matters is how many people watch Show X versus how many people watch Show Y. Yeah. Now you can make Show Y the show. Then Show X will be like, well, if we want to stay in business, we either have to absorb Show Y or beat Show Y. Either way, you won the argument, mm-hmm. right? But that takes work, and it's not sexy. Yeah. So here we are. So that's the answer to your question. People, I wish there were more people who could see it in a much larger picture and not see certain things as sacrifices, yeah. But and then they would make them because they don't feel like they're giving anything up. But I feel like everybody's more concerned with their social power than they are with actually making the change enough said <laughs> so here we are just trying to swim in this ocean and you know hope for the best yeah definitely so so, what, so no that answers that answers everything <laughs> thank you for that one so no what's uh 20 to 20 looking like for uh the winter uh, man project well winter man project last year and it's still up for free we did a podcast uh, and we, uh, we, I, I, I was, uh, my company was the studio for, um, pendant audio to adapt, uh, four of my, um, novellas into an audio drama series mm-hmm. called Dream. So we, our first season is up for free on Stitcher and Amazon.com, awesome. uh, pardon me, uh, Apple, 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 mm-hmm. basically everywhere that you can get a free podcast. Yeah. Uh, ours is, uh, um, we got nominated for a couple of Audioverse awards this last time around. Uh, it is a straight up Twilight Zone, Outer Limits type of show. Nice. Uh, and so we put ourselves in that. We're definitely going to do another season in 2021. We're working that details out right now. Um, obviously, I told you I'm working on Ghost. That's going to premiere in the summer. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, Mary J. Blige, Method Man. Um, some of the people who survived the onslaught at the end of Power. <laughs> um, uh, and so that's going on. Um, 
negotiating with, uh, I did some stuff for Marvel. I'm kind of always in talks with them, mm-hmm. pitching them stuff to do in the comic book side, waiting to hear back on an X-Men project that I'm hoping they go for. Any chance Mosaic uh, is making a comeback? Well, he just came back on one page of Marvel's Voices this, this month. Oh, cool. So our people run out and buy that. The secret of all of these things that I've said from the time Mosaic was out was, y'all go buy this thing. Just buy it. Yeah. If people buy it, because I've talked to Kari, I've talked to Emilio and Joe, our letterer. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we want to put this band back together, they will drop what they're doing and come back and make Mosaic, which is what I will do. Right. Um, but... It got caught up in a whole bunch of weird stuff that was going on at the time about SJWs and black creators can't do this and yeah. black characters always about. I'm like, you need to read the book. Everybody's making that criticism of Mosaic. Obviously, did not read Mosaic. Yeah, right. So I'm just saying, they're like, it's Dead Man. It's this. I'm like, it's none of that. <laughs> you didn't read it. Right. There's no reason for you. To, there's no reason for you to keep talking. You obviously did not read the book because if you did, you wouldn't be saying. Yeah, I love those people. Right. So, and what I've noticed on YouTube, especially, is a couple of people pop up and they'll give it a review, and they're like, "Why were we not reading this book when it was out? This right. book is great." And I'm like, "I know." <laughs> you know? But the thing with Marvel is those books are still being made. You can buy them off Amazon. The the, the, the trade paperback still exists. The digital um, version is available on the Marvel. Digital apps. version, absolutely. And if you write them enough letters and say, we'd like to see more, I'm pretty sure I can get them to do a miniseries if not a full on going. I see, and- I see Mosaic actually being one of those characters that I think will probably see a resurgence down the line. I'm thinking so too. Also, for me, at least as long as I'm writing him, because yeah. that's another thing I keep saying, I don't own Mosaic. Marvel loves Mosaic. Yeah. They can do it they want with Mosaic or not. Right. But. Uh, the way I look at it is every time I get the check back in, however much time it was since the last time you saw him, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff's been happening I did not tell you about. Right. We're just going to check in where he is now. Yeah. So you're like, why? How did he get from there to here? I guess y'all should have <laughs> been buying the book because me and the artists know what happened, but you're going to have to catch up. Right. So, um, so like if you go and pick, pick up Marvel's Voices, the one page, him and Fife are in the Himalayas mm-hmm. at the ruins of the old inhuman city, not someplace anyone ever thought they would go, except yeah. me, who always knew they were going there. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it's about to be a much more action-packed, crazy uh, journey for both of them. Yeah. And a lot of things will get explained, uh, and a lot of fun. New- and also, there's another thing a lot of writers, especially, they don't like to make up new characters for these two big companies anymore. Because they feel like they don't get a profit share if it gets turned into a movie or something like yeah. that. I don't give a damn about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be making up old man or new folks. I do not care. Um, and uh, so if you buy the, if you bring, if you bring back a mosaic, you will be bringing back almost a whole universe of new stuff. Because Kari and Emilio and me. There's a whole bunch of pictures we want to put in people's heads, awesome. and I would love it. So anyway, so that that thing just came out in Marvel's Voices. There's a lot of good stuff in that book. Um, I recommend it if people weren't going to buy it. It's a great anthology. It's you don't need to know anything. You can just check in um, and uh, listen to the podcast too. Awesome. Um, uh, and let's see what else. I'm going to be putting out a whole bunch of hard copy novels and collections this year people have been bugging me that everything was all digital from Winterman, from the Winterman project so i'm like i guess people like to have books in their hands yeah so, you got your you got your traditionalists 
Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, no, it's more than that. It's a huge resurgence. People, I wouldn't say they, I wouldn't say it's fifty-fifty yet. Yeah. But uh, books are definitely. They're back. According to the so, comic book stash and me, I'm keeping digital for now. I'm looking at my comic book yeah. stash, like hordes and hordes of like long boxes right now that I got to read. No, no, not, not, not the comics, not the comics, book books, uh, novels. Oh, no, actual so, novels. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to be putting out That's a, a little bit more uh, feasible. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of those are going to be coming out over the next five months or so. I really have been working on ghosts so much that I haven't been able to do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I'm still a one. There's me and another guy. Uh, so it's still too small of an operation to do all the, the logistical parts unless I can put my whole attention on it. Yeah. So we sort of go on a hiatus if I get too big of a job. But now that I'm winding down on production on my part of production of uh, the show, uh, he and I are going to be doing um, much more in that regard. So phase four, if you go to the Winterman Project website, yeah. you'll see – the different phases presented. Mm-hmm. There's actually a little presentation for phase four. Um, what's going to come in 2020. Yeah. So. What's your idea? Um, like the video I'll, package that you put in. Yeah. So like, um, there's a bunch of stuff. I'm going to be trying to make some short films, just, just stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, I literally got a bigger office that I'm in setting up right now. Um, so that we can track and do all of this stuff. Awesome. Uh, uh, whether I get to act this year or not, I'm definitely going to be directing. So, well, like we just said, there's a lot of stuff I want to see, and whether I get to be in it mm-hmm. or not, somebody needs to make some of this stuff, and not a lot of people are trying. So, I don't mean stuff I write; I just mean stuff of this type. Right. So, I'm fantasy and sci-fi with, uh, let's say, a a, a more rainbow uh, of lead characters than you normally used to. Right. Um, so that's my big thing, basically going forward from 2020. This next decade is going to be that. Awesome. And it's starting this year. So um, anyway, uh, so that's it. Well, Jeff, uh, I will keep you, I'll keep you up on whatever. Like, yeah, you better. Stuff. <laughs> um, uh, I will send, if you want, I can send you advances on some stuff. We did. A, oh, by all means. Yes. Yeah, we did a we did a. Um, you helped me enjoy Solo. <laughs> oh my God! I told you that book was good. I told People you, like, you like, Solo, and I'm like, all right. What, dude? We talked about this before. It was '90 Solo. Yeah. I got traumatized, and then you helped me revitalize yes. that, that love for like, so. that's, that's not what we do. I trust your writing skills. <laughs> People are like, I know. People get so mad, and I'm like, just read the book. You don't have to love the book. Give me five pages. If you don't like it in five pages, go with God. But just give me a shot, man. I'm not trying to hurt you out here. I'm trying to help you. Oh, God. You know? Whatever. Whatever. No, definitely. Yeah. I, no, I'll be more than happy and, and honored to uh, for you to uh, shoot me up some uh, stuff like that. I would definitely uh, support it. No, but you. thank you so much. And I mean, not just for just coming on to the show, you know, for the times that you came on, just being you and you don't I don't think you understand how much of an inspiration that you are to my road. Uh, uh-huh. coming on since I, you know, and I got, and a lot of that credit goes to my wife because when we, like I said, when we were at San Diego Comic Con, we were at the panel and they announced that you were doing it. And my wife was like, yo, he's right there. He's a few seats ahead of us. Go talk to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not a monster. And I People shot up and I, and I, and I, you know, I went up to you and introduced myself. We just, that's how we connected. And just hearing your story, 
um, of how you, you know, from, you know, dating back from when you were acting, you know, on a heat of the night and all that stuff. And then hearing your story of it, the goods, the bads, all of it, it, it really became a milestone, no pun of my life oh. and keeping me going, doing what I'm doing. So thank you so much for all that you're doing and all that you've done for Black Panther's Quest. It was a great series. I'm happy that I'm able to watch it. On a, uh, on a normal basis on Disney Plus, and I highly recommend that anybody that owns Disney Plus, which is virtually everybody at this point, yes, go watch. Go out show. of your way to check that series out it, on the Avengers Assemble uh, series. Trust yep. me, once you get to that, once you get through all the great epic comedy, uh, you know, comical and heroic side, it gets deep, and it's yes, all it thanks does. to Jeffrey Thorne and all of his uh, crew. <laughs> We had a ball, man. And that's Part the point, of. right? It's there for everyone to watch it. Absolutely. Please just go watch it. Absolutely. It's fun. It's great. It'll do everything you want it to do. Highly recommend yeah. it, man. It's it's his own world. It's his own. Uh, that's you right. Know. In fact, if you get tired of the earlier segments, mm-hmm. not that you will, because, by the way, I watched. How do I say this right? I loved Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I love. Oh, I love that one. Right. But I love both of them. Yeah. Right. You're not trying to do the same things. So it's stupid to compare them to each other because they're not trying to do the same thing. Right. Um, if you get to any point in the uh, the assemble series where you're like, OK, I get it. It's not for me. Still go and check out. Jump over to, a, season, to season five. Nothing like the previous season. <laughs> season five. Different. There's a whole new different feel in tempo. <laughs> yeah. And a different look. They redesigned. It. Oh, yeah. The whole, like, the whole character design is different, too. Completely different. So do check us out. Please what, do check us. Out. Do do answer that for me because that is the that is yeah. the most in, uh, significant thing about that series. They did change mm-hmm. it. What, what went into that? What was the reason for them changing the? Uh, uh, character I design? think once I think once they decided that they were going to take a left turn. Remember, we did not know that this was not that this was going to be the end. Yeah, we thought this was going to be. Now the show is going to be like this. Yeah. So my guess is this. Uh, this is nothing official. Nobody told me this. This is my guess for being around these folks. Yeah. My feeling was that this was a test. You take the show, you make this season spin on one character. Yeah. This time it was Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, the next one would have been Captain Marvel. That's what I thought. That they, it felt like they were going right? that direction. Right. So what they probably would have done was redesigned it again. Mm-hmm. Right. Got a different showrunner to come in, probably female. Mm-hmm. Right. To come in and do that season. And then whatever was coming out, maybe it would be the Eternals or whatever's coming up that we don't know about yet. And then that season would focus on that. In some cases, right? they kind of did that with the Secret Warriors, with um, yeah. on, which is on YouTube. Yeah. And I yeah. felt I felt like they kind of went that direction with them and uh, had uh, Miss Marvel and all in in all. The, oh, the Marvel Rising. Marvel, Marvel Rising, Rising, which is kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. the A Force of the animated universe. Yeah, I agree with you. So they tried to do that too. Yeah. Um, and frankly, that whole division is gone. Yeah. Like, uh, when when Feige took over the TV side, they just destroyed. Rephrase. Not which destroyed. is a shame because I liked they, all of that. Well, I liked all of those people. Yeah. Uh, all those people, they went with the division. Like, the vision is gone. Yeah. So they all have other jobs. They've all moved to other places. There is, there, if, if they're going to be doing Marvel animation again, it will be a brand new Marvel animation. Right. So uh, all of that stuff that you're seeing on the, on the, on the, uh, on the app, that's a time and a place. It is, there's a beginning and a now and end of that period of time at Marvel animation. So whatever comes next is whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I have not talked to anyone. I've been approached about any of that. I don't know any of the new people, so 
Uh, I can't speak to that, but I do feel like the reason that they made that left turn in that way was that their plan was to keep doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they had, what, five years or four years of the whole team, every episode, blah, 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 blah. This time, let's focus on one member of the team and mm-hmm. have the others play supporting roles. Or maybe Black Widow would have been the one. Right? Yeah. And I was begging them, if they do that, let me come back and write that, knowing full well that it would probably have been a, a, a woman writer that they would have cast. Um, but I, oh my God, no, please let me write the Black, Black Widow. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, anyway. No, but nonetheless, you know, thank you for all that indeed. And thank you for coming on to the show. You know, it's just always awesome to hear from you and to hear everything that you're doing. I'm looking forward to that, to that power, uh, spinoff, to ghost spinoff. That's Jesus. Ghost. Yeah, man. You, you are. Or so y'all even know about the bridge. Oof. Oh my God. I'm fanning myself that's right now. Crazy. Like what? That's <laughs> um, I mean, like. What are we doing? Oh my God. Um, so yeah, it's going to be crazy. And yeah, go check out the Dreamnasium. It's free and it's straight up sci-fi, some adventure. It's exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from me. These people really came to play with the direction and the, and there's also commentaries at the end of each. We do two parters. So at the end of the second part of each episode, there's a, like a DVD extras where the, the producers and me talk about how we made it. And then at the very end of the series, every season, we get all the directors together. And we sort of do a round table about what went into making it. How do we approach this? Blah, 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 blah. All for free. We don't have advertisements. We're just putting it out there. Nice. Well, folks, th- yeah. I hope you really enjoyed this special exclusive with myself and Jeffrey Thorne. On behalf of myself, actually, and the Thorne identity, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Thank you again, Jeff, and take care. This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.